right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Yo! We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and on today's edition of the show, we're talking plenty of KU football. We've got some Bill Self KU basketball audio. Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com at 340. KU mailbag at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, and Florida Man Mad Libs later on in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we start things off on your Wednesday show with midweek thoughts on KU's next game, KU-UCF, which Wait. I'm looking at the UCF game notes right now. It says this, please refer to the University of Central Florida as UCF, not Central Florida on all references. Also, UCF is no longer the Golden Knights and instead simply known as the Knights. It, it does not actually say that, does it? It really does. Really? On the front page of the wow. game notes. It is It is actually starting to bother me so much how much they care about this. It'd be like if somebody was like, you can't call them KU, call them Kansas, or vice versa. Well, obviously, I am going well, to only the big, call them Central Florida the big, and the Golden the, Knights guess, from now on. I guess the equivalent of this from the KU perspective is KU's University of Kansas, right? Sure. Versus Kansas University. But I don't think people get really that upset, you know, because I guess you can just say Kansas and it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There but are I some guess, people that get upset when a recruit commits and they say, I've committed to, the, to Kansas University. And, and there are know, people being like, glad you're committed, but you better learn this. And one thing like, that, chill out. One thing that maybe, I don't know if K people are aware of, but uh, nationally, like around the country, and I, I you know, I've... From me, from traveling, I had some experience traveling around, and I'll, I'll be wearing KU gear a lot. And there are a lot of people around the country that think that KU is Kentucky, mm -hmm. and that Kentucky is <laughs> KU, and vice, and you know, right. UK KU, same thing. There are a lot of people that get those mixed up a lot. I, I had a lot of people come up to me when I've been wearing KU gear in like I don't know New York or like you know North Carolina, whatever, and they're like, "Oh, Kentucky!" I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> no. They're like, John, oh, I hate John Calipari. You're like, me too. They're like, like dude, what? yeah. No. John Calipari stinks. Like, um, that's your head coach. Like, so anyway, dude, no, it's not. Screw I, that guy. I'm going to try to only refer to them as Central Florida and the Golden Knights from now on. Yeah. So, dude, uh, okay. Serious question, though. Yeah. Golden Knights sounds way Agreed. more cool than yes. just Knights. Agreed. Like, dude, Golden Knights, you are hard as hell if you're Golden Knights. <laughs> like, you are bad. You are bad. You are great. Yeah, no, they're very good. So what are we? That's like that's like with Hawaii and the Rainbow Warriors versus Warriors. Yeah, like Rainbow Warriors is way better. I agree with that. It's same with Army. Like I think Black Knight sounds cooler than just Knight. One hundred percent. Yes. You know, because dude, anybody can be a knight, but right. Black Knight. Oh, yeah. dude, see now you're talking. Well, I think of like medieval times, and you had the Black Knight, and he was always the the. I think badass. of the I think of yeah. the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Chop off his arms and his legs. And there we go. Still coming after you. Yeah. Actually, that's a good relentless. thing for football, right? Yeah, he's relentless. Dan Campbell would love that. Anyway. Um, Bite your kneecaps. Uh, let, let's start with uh, what they do well uh, for, for UCF. Offensively, 37 points per game. They lead the Big 12 in yards per game at 546 yards per game. Um, they've surpassed 400 or more yards in every game this season, including a season-high 723 of them. That was against Kent State. They are third nationally in rushing offense, over 250 rushing yards per game. And uh, 
They're they're 37.6 points per game, ranked 19th nationally, third in the Big 12. This is an elite offense. They run fast tempo. We saw KU struggle against tempo a season ago. Yeah. And, and it's just the the way they do it, it's it's a lot of different pieces. I mean, uh they've got some really fast athletic skill players. They're 29th in the country on pro football focus and receiving grade. They're seventh in running grade. They've got two backs who are some of the best in the conference. Uh the quarterbacks, it hasn't mattered who's gone in there. They've had success. Now differing levels of how they get it done. I think Timmy McLean has shown to be a much better passer and yeah. the rushing yards aren't nearly as there, whereas John Rice Plumley has shown to be a much better runner, passing yards and, and he has more interceptions than touchdowns before he got injured. We don't know who's going to start, but I, either way, whichever one the quarterback, even though it is kind of a little bit different, this is just a really good offense. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, and th- this this point really applies to UCF as a whole team, but one of the things that sticks out to me is you look at KU's previous opponents, and I, I go back to the Illinois game and the BYU game, two games where you looked at the opposing team and you thought, man, KU's going to have uh, an advantage on the perimeter with their speed. Like They're going to be able to utilize their speed against these guys. They, they're the faster team. They should be able to utilize their quickness. That's not going to be the case against UCF. UCF is a, is a speedy athletic team that has strengths that are a lot different than what KU has seen previously and some of their previous opponents. So that's the first thing that sticks out to me is this is this is not going to be a game like uh, a BYU or Illinois game where you feel like you have the advantage on the perimeter with your skill position players, whether that's on offense or defense. I think it's I think it's not really the case either way. The second part is I have a bit of a take here. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for Kansas if Tim McLean is the starter. KU has really struggled against rushing quarterbacks. They have not done well. They have had a hard time in pass rush in maintaining pass and pass rush lanes. They've not had a lot of success against rushing quarterbacks so far this season against guys that have shown that they have the ability to run. And even with guys that aren't really known for being running quarterbacks, KU still struggled, i.e. Quinn Ewers, right? So I almost wonder if Timmy McClain is not a better matchup for the KU defense in that he's not he, he can still be athletic in the pocket and still create with his legs, but obviously he's not to the level that John Rice, John Rice Palmley is. So I almost wonder if it's better for the KU defense that McClain makes the start in this game uh, because – that would help. That would basically eliminate one of the we- not eliminate, but it would mitigate one of the weaknesses that KU's defense has shown this season. But on the flip side of that, if John Rice Plumlee's not 100 percent to where his mobility is maybe a bit limited, I think you'd rather see him then because he's not as good of a passer as McLean. And if his and if his mobility is going to be limited, then you'd want to see him. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. And as you kind of highlighted, the UCF offense has been pretty strong regardless of who the starting quarterback is. And that's because they've got some really talented skill position players. They've got two really, really good receivers that I'm a bit curious to see how they match up against these, this KU secondary. I think pr- prior to the Texas game, confidence in the KU secondary was really high. Against Texas, they they were not great. But like we talked about earlier in the week, Texas might have the best one and two receivers KU is going to face all season with Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Well, UCF has a couple of good players too that are both former FCC transfers. And not just guys that transferred from SEC schools, but guys that played at Alabama and Auburn. Yeah, Hudson has 21 catches for 468 yards. He's averaging over 22 yards per catch, 93 per game. He is a yeah. beast on the outside. And then uh, Baker, 17 for 332. He also averages so H- almost 20 a catch. Hudson's the kid from Alabama, and Baker's from, from Auburn, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm a little curious about that those matchups. And then another thing you highlighted is the rushing attack, obviously, for UCF. That's been really strong so far this season. Uh, and I, with KU's run defense, like I don't know what what's the temperature of KU's run defense in your eyes right now. 
TBD? Because the Texas game, it obviously was not good. You have 330 rushing yards. But it was clear that you know you had you did not have the advantage on the line of scrimmage. Right, and I mean the, the, the UCF game might be yeah. more evenly matched. That's the thing, and and Texas might just be like that good that it doesn't matter, you know, who you throw up against it. So last year, obviously, the KU run defense struggled through the first you know four games before Texas. It was it was good enough for what you need this year. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, this is obviously going to be a different type of running team. Like Texas was able to kind of smash you in the mouth. I mean, Texas was Texas was literally yes HB dive. UCF is more of the read option I mean, Gus Malzahn I know, type of I know, Auburn offense, I know that right? I use HB uh, dive loosely, but Texas was no, it literally really was. Yes. They, it was literally HB dive. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's that. I also uh, their offensive line has done a really good job at protecting in the pass. They have they rank fifth in the country on uh, Pro Football Focus in. Uh, pass blocking grade. By the way, the name of those two running backs were really good. Um, Richardson has 394 rushing yards. He's averaging 8.8 per carry. And then Harvey has 378. He's averaging over five per carry. He also has five touchdowns. So you add Plumlee into that. This is a very tough offense to stop. This is also a really good offense in terms of converting on third downs. Um, On success rate, they are 12th in the country if you combine third and fourth down success rate. KU's defense in those combined is just 99th. And obviously, obviously, the Texas game doesn't help that. Yeah, coming off a game against Texas where the numbers look pretty bad. Texas was 9 of 14, I think, on third downs mm-hmm. in the game. 9 of 15. One of those two for Texas. So, yeah, that's going to be another situation where KU is going to have to stand tall, right? And against Texas, we highlighted it in the first half. KU gave up a ton of yards, but they were able to hold when they needed to. And you'll hope that that can continue against UCF, You would, you would ideally, but... Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup because if te- if UCF is able to run the ball successfully, it's going to be put a lot of pressure on the KU defense because you're going to be seeing a lot of third down and manageables that are going to be even tougher for KU to handle. So, with the UCF offense, uh, I think it's a I think it's a dangerous offense, and I think it's an offense that maybe you wouldn't expect to be very explosive if they have question marks at the quarterback position, but that hasn't seemed to matter. So it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and. The way I view this, I, I, I guess, I don't know. We'll, we'll finish up with that. I, I was going to say, what, what would you view as, as a good game for for the Kansas defense? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. As far uh, as what they don't do well on offense, uh, throwing under pressure. If you can get pressure on them, and I mentioned they're fifth in the country in pass blocking grade. Also, mobile quarterbacks make it difficult there. Also, you have to pay a lot of attention to the run, so it's, it's hard to do. And the receivers win quickly. But they have just a 29.6 passer rating as a team when under pressure. KU, out of comparison, has a 100 passer rating under pressure. It is a vast drop-off to UCF if you can get under pressure. That is one thing that I actually feel okay about in this game. Even though the pass rush lanes have sometimes led to the quarterback scrambling, I think of that third and nine that Quinn Ewers had the 30-yard touchdown to open up the game for Texas. It's been every game. It has been. State, Nevada, Still, overall, the pass rush has been good. Yes. And if you can consistently do that, you can probably get a couple turnovers and a couple big plays out of the UCF offense, which in a game like this, I think the success is going to be measured not in terms of how how many points and how many yards they give up. It's how many times do you stop them in the red zone? How many times do you force turnovers? uh, Can you limit them under 40 points? Things like that. Yeah, and this pass rush, I think you got to feel pretty good about it because you faced a top – Texas was a top 10, I think, unit in pass protection going into the game mm-hmm. uh, last week. And what did KU do? They pressured them more than any te- more than their other four games combined. Yep. Right? So this is your second, second, second consecutive week where you're going up against a pretty strong 
unit in pass protection, but you were still able to be pretty successful overall against Texas in generating a bit of a pass rush and generating some pressure. So I would expect that to be to continue against against UCF. Even though it is a strong unit, I still feel pretty confident about KU's yeah. pass rush. Now, the one thing that does make it a little bit more difficult is that UCF is better at the tackle spots, and that's probably where Kansas is best in terms of rushing the passer. Where UCF has been weaker on the offensive line, um, both of their guards, so left guard and right guard, have under 60 pro football focus grades. So they've kind of struggled on the interior there. Uh, now, as far as they, what they would do well on the defensive side of the ball it's more of an opportunistic defense. Same thing, fast and athletic defense. They've got some really good players on this end. Yep. The sum of the parts hasn't been great for them overall. But uh, as far as what they do well, Traymond Morris Brash, he has five sacks already. And he, I believe, leads the country or at least leads the conference in tackles for loss. Uh, the two outside corners have really good pro football focus grades. They're good players. Strong safety is pretty solid, too. Um and overall, they're 39th in the country in defensive success rate against the pass. They are 23rd in run defense grade on pro football focus. So there are certain elements that this UCF defense is pretty good and does well overall. But as far as what they don't do well, the sum of the parts, as I mentioned, there are some weaknesses there, whether it's at linebacker, maybe the other safety, or maybe a couple spots on the defensive line that have overall given them some struggles. They are 77th in EPA per play defensively. They are 59th in tackling grade on pro football focus, 67th in defensive success rate versus the run. They are 80th in EPA per rush on defense. They are 75th in pass rush grade. They are 65th in coverage grade. And the linebackers, free safety, the slot corners are where they are the weakest. And they have really struggled both on early downs and on third and fourth down. So every down, basically, <laughs> right? This is not a great defense. It's an opportunistic one. But honestly, looking on paper, these two teams feel, even though they go about it differently, these two teams feel very similar. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you you just went through the numbers on the defense. That would lead you to believe that this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game, right? Because the KU defense, while has had some bright spots overall, has not been that great in terms of you know giving up points and whatnot. But, but you're right, you go back to the BYU game. What was the difference in the game? KU's defense was opportunistic and created big plays, and that helped them win the game. Uh, so KU's defense has shown to be a little bit optimistic as well. So, yeah, there are some, there are a lot of similarities. And, and like you said, KU's a lot different in terms of how they go about that with their offense, with kind of this multiple uh, style that they play and, and, and utilize different things. But I think the, the big takeaway from that is, regardless of if you have Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels starting at quarterback, you expect the KU offense to bounce back significantly from what they perform from how they performed against Texas, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty clear. Uh because the UCF defense is is not as good. You have a whole week of preparing if you're Jason Bean to maybe expect to play. Obviously we don't know. I doubt we'll know. This to me this week feels like a similar situation to the start of the season where hell they might even come out and say on the video boy that Jalen Daniels is starting and then here comes Jason Bean. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh but you'd figure at least you have a week now where that's and I guess Going back to that discussion, like maybe in the back of Jason Bean's mind, it should be always re be ready to play. But now you have a week where actually you might, you know, need to be ready to play. Mm -hmm. So I would think that that would help kind of with this with this offense. And and yeah, I have high expectations for KU's offense this week to, to be able to bounce back a little bit. And I think when you have two defenses that aren't very good but are opp opportunistic, what that means is there are a couple areas of in this game that are going to be of utmost importance. And there are areas that are always important, but in a game like this, I think are even more critical. Right. Red zone, turnovers, 
third downs, right? If you move the ball and you get in the red zone, you better come away with six points, uh, whether you're KU or UCF. Turnovers obviously are always critical, but in a game in a game like this where you're playing against opportunistic defenses, you have explosive offenses, even more important. And obviously third down, on the offensive side, managing the third downs, so you have a third down manageable, and also on the defensive side, getting out the field when you can get them on third down. And this to me also feels like a game where both coaches, I guess more on Gus Malzahn, I guess, I think this this feels like a game where both coaches might be more willing to, to go for it on fourth downs as well. And I think that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. if you're UCF, I mean, if you're UCF and you get to fourth and less than five, I would go for it every time against Kansas. Yeah. Well, uh, right now the early line on the game is it has moved to, uh, this is on DraftKings, use code KLWN. Uh, Kansas is minus two and a half. The over-under is 64 and a half. Um, the team total for UCF is 31 and a half. I would definitely be over there. So I guess this this brings me to the next part of this discussion. Knowing what we know about UCF, what would you consider a good game for the defense in terms of points allowed? Well, Under thirty five. Honestly, I think thirty one. I would say thirty one is okay. a good game. Thirty one or less. Um, I think thirty one is a pretty good. The game. way I almost view it is because UCF is a really good offense. I I kind of view it as Kansas is going to probably have to score thirty five, if not more. They might have to score in the forties to win this game offensively. And I think they can do that, even if it's with yeah. Jason Bean for the whole game. I think they can do that. What's the most points they've they've scored with a Jason Bean offense? Uh, besides game? besides Missouri State, yeah, besides Missouri State, Oklahoma probably State Oklahoma they had thirty seven, like, yeah, thirty eight, something like that. That's probably well against against Oklahoma they had forty right, two. Oklahoma's probably the most. Yeah, and and I I guess it's a little different too because if you're factoring in the scoring, like you can give up more points in a game like this. UCF runs more plays, so just theoretically, there's more possessions to be around for both teams. That's scary, though, too, dealing with a team who runs high tempo because we saw that be an issue for KU a season yeah. ago. And obviously that was a big discussion with Brian Borland today about handling the tempo, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm i honestly still – the jury is still out for me on whether or not KU is going to be able to handle it better mm-hmm. than they have previously. I think if you give up 29 or less, you come away saying that the defense is uh, played a really good game. I think if you give up between that 30 to 34 mark, you say that's good enough. You need the offense to show up in this game. And if you give up anything in the 40s, it's kind of in that danger zone of like, yeah, that wasn't good enough, but hopefully the offense rescued you. That's kind of where I'm at. We'll see. Yep, we will. Uh, do you have any early thoughts? Any team you're leaning on? Any, I don't know, over-under you're leaning on? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a nice day on Saturday with uh, yeah, pretty like comfortable weather. Yeah, pretty comfortable weather. So day. I'm, I'm, one, I'm looking at that over 64 points. I feel like that's... I feel like over would be yep. a good 38-31, you're there. 34-31, yeah, you're there you're, barely, but yeah. I think, I think that might be pretty I, good. I agree. I think that's the play. Pretty good look. And and I am leaning UCF though. Yeah, I I just it, I don't know, man. A I mean, game like this with Jalen Daniels would be very beneficial to have in a, a shootout type game. He could play. He could. <laughs> but I'm not expecting it. Obviously, my laugh after that signals yeah. that I'm not super confident he's gonna yeah. play either, but he could. He could. We don't know. He could. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to some uh, Bill Self audio. He spoke ahead of late night in the fog. We'll get to that on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com and the Lawrence Journal World. Well, uh, we went a week without updating the worry scale on Jalen Daniels and, and on uh, Lance Leipold and the coaching stuff, and look what happens. Lance Leipold, uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Daniels ends up not playing in the game against Texas. So, uh, Henry, I guess we'll start right there. What is the updated worry scale on Jalen Daniels? 
Yeah, I'm tempted to say the worry scale is off the charts at this point. I mean, certainly it's higher than it was at any point earlier in the season. I'll explain why in a second. I'd probably rest around a six and a half or seven. And I just, you just, you see something happen like what happened on Saturday, and you think that can happen in any game from here until the end of the season. Uh, I wrote a column about this shortly after the game. I, I don't know what exactly KU needs to do and what the training staff and coaching staff can do to get a handle on this back injury, but they have to try to proceed through as much of the week as possible with a concrete idea of who their starting quarterback is. Certainly it seems this, this week like they're preparing for Jason Dean to start, um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But what happened on Saturday was just calamitous before such a huge game, and you know, it, it was extremely weird and, as Dominic Pooney put it today, awkward for the players involved and didn't translate to a cohesive offense in the way we're used to seeing and just super unfortunate. Um, yeah, I hope for KU's sake that they're able to kind of get a handle on the injury. All right, what about the uh, updated worry scale on Lance Leipold leaving for Michigan State? Because since we last talked, uh, another Bruce Feldman article came out about uh, him as, as, I don't know, one, one of the top candidates along with uh, Jake Dickert from uh, Washington State. I continue to not be super worried about that. And the reason why is that, you know, you've talked about Bruce Feldman and how he's kind of, he kind of seems to be linked into Leipold's decision-making process and certainly has been in the past. But every time there's a new Bruce Feldman article, there's also a new interview with Leipold where he reaffirms how committed he is to being at KU. You know, we had the the Inside Wisconsin podcast. We had Jim Rome. We had uh, the one that I tweeted about last week, the Austin American Statesman on Second Thought podcast. And, you know, he's not being categorical about denying it. Uh, he said internal and external factors, if those emerge in the future, could potentially shape things. But to me, it seems like he is pretty well committed to KU. I understand that with with Travis Goff's letter to fans and whatnot, the timing made it seem like that was sort of like, hey, guys, you got to come to more games or else we might lose our coach. And I'm not totally sure that was exactly what the KU administration's intent was in sending out that message. Personally, I continue to feel like, especially, you know, Leipold's not like a, like a young, trailblazing, fast-on-the-scene guy at this point. He's settled in. He doesn't want to move his son. He and Kelly are happy here. And, that could change, certainly, but I'd, I don't see it as a huge risk for this season. So KU falls to Texas on Saturday, 40-14. to 14. What, what to you was the most glaring issue that led to the 26-point loss down in Austin? Well, when the conditions on the field are what they were, which is a you know 95 degrees, heat index well above that, you cannot have your defense on the field for 86 plays. That just compounded the already unfavorable environmental factors. And this kind of goes back to not really knowing you're going to have to start Jason being a quarterback. The offense didn't have any rhythm, as Lance Leipold put it. They were buried on the field. As Andy Coleman, he put it today, they only had like 36 meaningful snaps prior to their last drive. KU's model for victory in previous games had largely depended on using the run game to sort of wear down the opposition. Instead, in this game, it was the Jayhawks who got worn down. Uh, there was a huge disparity in time of possession of almost 20 minutes. And it, it was exactly what they did not need to do in that game. And I think we'll find that some of these themes translate well to UCF, which has strengths in some areas in common with Texas. 
Moving forward to this week's game, KU playing UCF on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Uh, let's start with the Knights' offense. It's an explosive offense, uh, but I guess they're kind of in a similar situation Kansas is where they don't really know who the quarterback's going to be. Now, I almost I, – I feel – I feel like the odds of which quarterback are going to start for both teams, I feel like Jason Bean might have the highest odds to start among any of the four quarterbacks between the two teams. But uh, how much, I don't know, does it change uh, how you view the game and and the UCF offense based on who's quarterback and and what do you see about that UCF offense that uh, could challenge the KU defense? Yeah, it's kind of interesting what you meant. I agree with you. I think Jason Bean has the highest odds of any of the four quarterbacks. I believe... Gus Malzahn said UCF was going to evaluate today where they were at uh, with John Rice Plumley. Yeah, there's one thing that comes to mind is if you start Plumley, uh, if you're UCF, you have to feel pretty confident that he's going to have that scrambling element because John Rice Plumley just sort of grounded in the pocket is not nearly as threatening. I mean, last year he had the most rushing yards among any FBS quarterback. So if he's not 100%, you should probably go with McLean, who's who's mobile in his own right. Now he has to he has to curb. He's had some brutal interceptions recently, and the turnovers overall have been a problem for UCF and kind of why they've lost momentum over the course of the last couple of games. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what direction the Knights choose to go there. Um, I think that's another one where we won't get a huge amount of clarity, though. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on reports out of Orlando. You know, as Lance Leipold said, as Brian Borwin said, like. The offense really isn't that different for them, regardless of who's at quarterback. Now, I mean, like KU, those quarterbacks have different strengths. There's a reason why Plumlee's starting. He's a more established and consistent player in both areas. Um, But fundamentally, from a schematic standpoint, I don't think it'll impact things too much. When you look at UCF, they've got a couple of really talented receivers, a couple of guys that are both SEC transfers, one from Alabama, one from Auburn. After the way that KU's corners maybe struggled a little bit against some top t- top end talent against Texas last week, are you concerned about the secondary at all going into this game and in pass coverage taking on uh, UCF? Yeah, I would say I'm a little concerned about it. My, my focus is on the rushing offense just because of the talent they've got in that domain with with Johnny Richardson, R.J. Harvey, and also either quarterback really using their legs, which, again, was a problem for t- even against Texas, where you were just necessarily known for doing that to a huge extent. So I'm a little more concerned about the rushing attack from a KU perspective, but certainly, yeah, I mean, a guy like Kobe Hudson draws attention all over the field. Uh, the corners are certainly going to have to step their game up. They've been vulnerable to the deep ball all year, and uh, they, they got spared from having to deal with too much of Jatavian Sanders, but I keep an eye on the tight end as well this week. They that didn't seem like something they had especially needed to address simply because Sanders wasn't on the field a lot, but it was an area of weakness for them against BYU, and I think that's another weakness that UCF could use to exploit trying to find their tight end over the middle. Talking with Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, now on the other side of the ball, how, how do you see the KU offense matching up with UCF, especially if it is indeed Jason Bean at QB1? Yeah, I, I think it's going to come down to time of possession. And I think if, if it's possible to have a shootout where both teams are running the ball, I think that's what this will be. Um, I think that KU is going to need to bite off those chunks of yards on first down with, with Devin Neal, with Daniel Highshaw, even with Bean himself, that they did not necessarily do against Texas after having been so successful in that domain uh, all throughout the rest of the season. I think it really comes down to who has the ball more. Um, 
to to a really significant degree in this game. I think having Bean will limit their downfield passing a little bit. However, I do think that in terms of the short and intermediate passing, Bean will be much, much more successful with a full week of preparation, which by all accounts, it sounds like he's getting. Lance Leipold said on Monday, Jalen Daniels didn't practice. Andy Kodemicki was a little bit, I don't know, a little wishy-washy today about sort of saying in a clear-cut fashion that Daniels didn't practice today or yesterday, but certainly it seems since he said that there had been no update, it seems like things are progressing in a way towards having Bean. And I think that if Bean is getting a full set of reps, which would be even more, honestly, than he got leading up to Missouri State, from our understanding, I think they're putting him in a much better position to succeed and to be in rhythm uh, than he had going into either of his other starts. And when you look at the Texas game, it, it seemed like on paper, KU was able to have a little bit of success with their ground game with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, but they kind of went away from it with, with Jason Bean after getting down in the game. Were you surprised by that? And do you think there will be more of an emphasis on utilizing the running backs for Kansas in this game against UCF, assuming Jason Bean gets the start? Yeah, I think they will. Uh, I, I think that uh, certainly the absence of reliable passing really short, medium, or long hurt the running game in turn because, you know, when you start something like that, Texas can stack the box more effectively. But you're right, they did average like more than five yards per carry with both Neal and Highshaw. Um, I think there's really no reason not to continue using their, those guys as what they've shown thus far this year. Uh, UCF has some strong players. You know, Termon Morris Brash, uh, I believe, leads the nation in tackles for loss. Uh, Josh Seliscar is their captain. And I think the, the defensive front will come in with something to prove. I was listening to Seliscar. I hope that's how you pronounce it. But I was listening to Seliscar in a press conference the other day. He was saying, yeah, no one around the league thinks we can compete in this conference right now, um, and we have to kind of show them that that's not necessarily the case and that we do have uh, something to bring to the Big 12. And I think UCF will come in motivated after fading and back-to-back second halves, particularly on the defensive side. Uh, and I think it'll be—I think they'll come out kind of fired up, and it'll be maybe a bit more challenged, a bit more of a challenge in those domains than people might expect for the KU offense. Uh, who, who's a player that? has to play well for, for KU to win on Saturday, where it's kind of non-negotiable uh, outside of the quarterback, because that's kind of the, the one that always kind of has to play well. Yeah, Jason Bean would be my obvious answer, of course. Um, I'm going to go with, let's see, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Austin Booker. Uh, we've heard about how he continues to bring more and more of a pass rush, really regardless of opponent. He's risen to the level of competition. Um, you know, Jeremy Robinson did a great job early in the season, but I think it's probably fair to say that Booker has been the most consistent pass rusher. Um, and he's going to be really key to taking away that element of the uh, UCF offense, making it harder for them to get it to weapons like uh, Kobe Hudson or to get it to either of those dynamic running backs out of the backfield. Um, it'll be another test for him, but based on what we've seen so far, it doesn't seem like he'll really have trouble matching the skill of the UCF offensive line. You mentioned uh, some of Andy Kolnicki's comments earlier today, and something that kind of stuck out to me was how he basically kept saying, you know, the preparation doesn't change even if we're not sure who the quarterback is. I, I thought that was a little surprising. I mean, when you got two guys that maybe had different skill sets, I-, I-, I thought that was a little interesting. Were you maybe a little bit surprised by his answers to those questions? And-, and do you think, do you believe that KU might be preparing a little bit differently, even if they are saying that they're not? Yeah, I was I, I was surprised with that. I had a very similar reaction. It's like if the preparation were really identical, then we wouldn't have seen what we did last weekend. If the preparation were truly identical, regardless of who is starting, then 
I, any quarterback on the KU roster probably would have been able to. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that, but but if the preparation were truly identical, then the rhythm wouldn't have been disrupted, and it wouldn't have been that big of a deal uh, for Jason Bean to find out 30 to 45 minutes beforehand that he was starting. I understand the principle of what he's saying, and he also echoed in those remarks a comment he made in response to a question I asked last week about kind of elevating your physicality to play against a team like Texas. He basically, his whole idea is that you have to practice at a baseline level regardless of who you're playing against, and that needs to be a high baseline. I understand what he's saying in that respect, but you have to think there are things that KU can do on offense with Daniels that they can't do with Dean, and also vice versa because of the speed that Dean has on the edge. That's part of why I think that a full week of preparation for Bean um, would would unlock new areas in this offense that weren't necessarily visible against Texas or against Missouri State. Uh, I, I think especially with the success KU has had in the option game, look for that to be a key feature of the offensive game plan this weekend. Well, the uh, latest Big 12 power rankings that, that you guys have been doing with the uh, different beat writers – dropped Kansas after the loss to Texas with Kansas State moving up, but it still has Kansas in at number four, which, you know, still pretty much, I don't know, is very high thought around the conference on KU. Were you surprised at all that they stayed in at number four even after the loss? I mean, at this point, I wasn't surprised because, like, of what I've said previously, clearly people have a really high estimation of the Jayhawks. I think that that's kind of like their... I don't want to say their peak, but that's like a, an optimistic look. That kind of assumes you have Jalen Daniels and you don't abruptly switch starters 30 to 5, 45 minutes beforehand. Then I, be, then I, too, believe Kansas could be the fourth-best team in the conference. Uh, it's just hard to really evaluate the, fa- the injury factors, especially with the most important position on the field. Um, but, yeah, it was an interesting addition of the power rankings. West Virginia continues to, to surge. Kind of like there are some teams on the schedule where it looks easier for KU than it might have at the start of the year. Uh, you you might have been upset at first not to play West Virginia. Now that looks like something you might be glad to avoid after they kind of upset TCU last week. So, yeah, West Virginia surging. Cincinnati kind of in a baffling position after dominating basically every facet of the game against BYU and still losing. I have no idea what to make of that team. That's going to be an interesting way to close out the Big 12 schedule in late November. Well, late night in the fog is also this Friday, and uh, for the KU women's basketball team, they just announced uh, a couple first-team All-Big 12 honors with Tiana Jackson, Zakiah Franklin, uh, Holly Kerskeeter got an honorable mention pick for the team. Uh, we're going to see them for the scrimmage. Obviously, the men's team, very interesting that uh, they only have nine scholarship players, and you have to play five on five. So that means a walk-on will be starting for one of the two teams on uh, the men's scrimmage. Uh, what sticks out to you most about the uh, late night in the fog events that are going to happen on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, Bill Self would tell you not to take anything too seriously that happens at a scrimmage, but it'll be there. I'm just thinking about all the freshmen we're going to get to see for the first time uh, on the women's side. That means Samaya Nichols and. Of course, it's not truly the first time for her because she was part of their tour of Italy and Greece, and she was really, really good uh, in those games. So just kind of seeing how she flows with four established starters next to her is interesting. Like, rarely is it that plug-and-play. You lose one starter, you put in a really good player, and things flow exactly as you would hope. But that's what uh, that team and Brandon Schneider will be hoping for, certainly. Um, there are also some transfers on that team who we haven't seen quite as much of. It'll be interesting to take a look at. And as for the men's team, 
I mean, they probably can put Zach Clements out there. So I think they might have, they'll probably have five on five scholarship players. But yeah, but for the season itself, it's the, the plan to redshirt Clements has not changed. So that's, that's where we're going to see just nine, which is a little bit problematic. And as self has acknowledged, injuries could put a huge dent in that. Um, but yeah, I'll be watching Johnny Furphy. Um, particularly Johnny Furphy's outside shooting and defense. Now, defense you can't evaluate too well, but outside shooting is something the team will need from him. Options in that domain are not exactly very robust. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, as usual, keeping an eye on Nick Timberlake and El Marco Jackson, who are kind of the other options for that last starting spot. Uh, it'll just be great to sort of signal the kickoff, the tip-off, rather, of a basketball season. All right, he is Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Uh, Henry, anything else you got going on or coming up on KUSports.com for people to check out? Yeah, the Basketball Preview Magazine comes out this weekend, so I can uh, stop promoting it. But no, people <laughs> are excited to see that. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having it out there. I think our designers did a really good job with it. Uh, just that and keep following all our regular coverage. It's, it's been great writing about these teams so far. All right, Henry Greenstein again, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Henry, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you. All right, that was Henry Greenstein joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Henry for coming on the show, and uh, we will be joined by him again next Wednesday, as we are every Wednesday here on RCST. One hour down, two to go. We got our KU mailbag coming up next. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got Florida Man Mad Libs in the five o'clock hour. Share the rest of that Bill Self audio. Also have a college football crackdown coming up in our next segment. But right now, it's time for the weekly KU mailbag. The Rock Chalk Sports Talk mailbag. RCST mailbag. Whatever it's called. Mailbag. <laughs> it's my favorite segment. The mail has been delivered. I wish people actually sent it to us in like Letter letters, yeah, that'd be cool. Because then we'd yeah. actually get to like open the letter. Yeah, why don't we just tell people to do that? for the first time? All right, if you want to do that, hit us up. Uh, Thirty-one twenty-five West Sixth Street in Lawrence. Yeah, send us a letter. Okay, yeah. uh, first one from Keegan. There's a couple carryovers from last week. Um, yeah, this is an unfortunate one. Yeah, where does Kobe Bryant rank in the nation? Is he top five? Well, <laughs> prior to last week, maybe I think maybe, but uh, in his first game going up against. A top ten receiver in the country in Xavier Worthy slash Edna Mitchell, uh, not great. No, so maybe not top five in the country, but that doesn't mean he still can't be top five of the Big Twelve. I mean, like we've talked about, Xavier Worthy and Edna Mitchell might be the two best receivers KU's going to see all season, but on the same team, right? So the fact that the coverage for KU struggled against those guys, I don't think it should make you think that Kobe Bryant and Mel Dotson are not good. They're definitely still very talented corners and have still shown that they can lock down receivers, but maybe not top five in the country. Now, top five in the Big 12? Sure. And maybe still good enough to be first in Big 12? Absolutely. But uh, yeah, bad one after last week. Yeah, it's hard to say it after last week for sure. Um, top five if is you're top such five a high the, mark. If right? you're top five in the country, that means you should be basically locking down any receiver you play. Exactly. And that didn't happen, obviously. No, that didn't. Like, Because even as good as Adonai Mitchell and um, Xavier Worthy are, it's still not Marvin Harrison. 
You know what I mean? So like you could be a number five corner if you're not if you're struggling against Marvin Harrison, that's that's one fine. Thing. Yeah. But against those guys, even though they're both really good, I mean Xavier Worthy is if he's and Adney Mitchell to, to be fair, if those guys are both top four receivers in the Big Twelve, right? That means they're probably in the top twenty receivers in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can't lock down those guys, then you're not top five in the country. Sure. But now, you could still be top five in the Big 12. Yeah. If we go by uh, NFL passer rating against among corners who have played at least 80% of their team snaps, uh, corners and safeties. So uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess I can take out the safeties. So that if we're just looking at top five at his position. So if I take out corners and then we look at uh, NFL passer rating, lowest passer rating against. Um, obviously, the Texas game makes this a little bit tougher, but uh, I'm not seeing him. I'm not seeing him at all on here, so I don't know. Maybe I messed up the search or something. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't think he's top five. It, it's tough for me to like give you names of guys in front of it because we don't cover those other teams. I know Cooper DeJean or DeJean, however you pronounce it, for uh, Iowa. He's really good. There's some other really yeah. good corners around the country. I'd say probably not. The odds are against it, but like, is he top 25? Yeah, I would feel comfortable saying that. Could be. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. If you're if you're top five in the Big 12, you're probably top 25 in the country at that point. Or close right. to it. Yeah. So I, I would say that for sure. And maybe he has an opportunity to go back up. I mean, last year you look back in, in the game against Oklahoma, he struggled. But uh, when he came back, he was really good from then on. Okay, this one from Chris. After Oklahoma and Texas leave and we add the four-pack 12 schools or whatever you want to call it, uh, what will be the top brands in the conference? I believe the top brands are KU and BYU. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a question that you and I have just talked about quite a bit, right? I mean, it seems like there's going to be a fairly large power vacuum uh, on the football side of things in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. And I think we had this conversation maybe last year about, well, you would have thought that it might be Oklahoma State, given their sustained success. But now Mike Gundy is stuck in his ways. And to be clear, this is top brands in the conference. Top brand. Not football teams, yes. Well, I know, but football brand. No, this is just brand, brand in general. School, yes. Fine. If you want to be that way. No, I'm just saying what the question <laughs> is. Okay, right? fine, fine, fine. That, regardless, the point still stands that there's going to be a power vacuum at the top of the conference across all sports. And I think Travis Goff, if you ask him the question, he would say it should be Kansas. I don't know that it's – I mean, I think Kansas will be in the top five. So you have Kansas. BYU is, I think, just because of their ties to the church, is going to be a national brand, probably going to draw a lot of eyeballs. I think you could even look at a school like – Utah probably drawing a lot of eyeballs from the West Coast. And then I think Colorado with, with Coach Prime. Assuming Coach Prime stays at Colorado, that automatically to me elevate he, rightly or wrongly. While he's there, they, they will are, basically be the number one brand in yes. football, which basically will make them the number one brand overall. Yes. yes. Now when he's gone, no, that will not happen. Yeah, again, whether whether you whether you like Coach Prime or not, wherever you stand on that, yes, while he's there, they become the top brand. You know what's another one that I I think we kind of sleep on because we are in the Midwest and they're kind of outside of our area vacuum, but brand-wise is still very big up there. West Virginia. They have a very big brand. You just don't hear it as much about here kind of in in the Midwest. I think, um, I know the the spending, the money, the revenue, that sort of stuff, that's not the be-all, end-all for brand, but they, they do have a little bit of overlap there. 
And uh, I, I think among the the schools that are in the in the Big 12 right now, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, I'm pretty sure Kansas would be first in returning revenue. I think West Virginia would actually be second. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, so I mean, I think Kansas is definitely in the top three or four, I would say. For sure. Yes. Again, I think, uh, again, with, with the Colorado situation, like, as long as Coach Prime is there, they're probably in the top. But will they stay there? Yeah. It, I guess it just depends. I mean, Arizona is pretty recognizable. That one would go up there, I guess. Yeah. Who are, like, the least? Who are the worst brands? Uh, Iowa State? <laughs> Iowa State? I don't want to say Kansas State, but Kansas State... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, Baylor, I think, is pretty decent. Texas Tech is pretty decent. TCU, I think, is pretty decent. Yeah, it's a lot of decent, but Arizona, so there's, there's not I, a lot of separation from Arizona from them. State's pretty low, right? I would think so, maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then uh, Oklahoma State's probably. I know Oklahoma State, I don't think they spend very much. Like athletics wise, yeah. Okay, here I I have the revenue numbers again. That's not the be all end all, but it, there is some some overlap there between them. All right, let's see. So if we go, let's see. So Texas, Oklahoma are in the top ten, but they're leaving obviously. Um, then you get to let's see, Oregon. They're not going to the Big Twelve. Um, this gets hard because I can't just sort by conference because there's some that are in you know the Pac twelve and everything. Yeah. Um, let's see. Arizona is actually among the one. ones. Arizona would be one. Arizona State would be two. That's kind of really? surprising. Kansas would be three. Is that because they're a party school? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Also, good journalism school. Anyway, uh, Kansas would be three. Oh, yeah, the, the Cronkite. But keep in mind, journalism. Kansas. This is Kansas being three after being bad in football for like 15 years. So yeah, you, you continue and stay good at football. Those numbers are going to go up. Utah's four. Iowa State Utah, is actually five. So I, I didn't give U- them enough credit. I think Utah sneaky is pretty big. Yeah, Texas Tech six. Uh, West Virginia, 7. Oklahoma State, 8. Kansas State, 9. Colorado, 10. But that'll soar up with Deion Sanders. Uh, Central Florida is 11. The Cincinnati, 12. Florida Houston, 13. Golden Knights. Gosh, who's last in this? Have you said Baylor yet? I don't think I... Oh, wait. That's why. Okay, Baylor and TCU are private schools, so they don't have to report. So oh, we don't know, we don't know where they are on this. Okay, anyway. Ah. Oh. Uh, this one from Frank. If Jalen Daniels stays healthy and KU football wins seven or more regular season games, who is more likely to leave? Jalen, Andy Kotelnicki, Lance Leipold, Travis Goff, or is none the most likely? Mm. I think Leipold's probably the most likely, but I'm not saying that that means that he will. Does that make sense? So none is probably the most likely option. But well, this, you have this to was a question one. asked last week before the Jalen injury. Yeah. So that obviously probably makes you feel more likely that Jalen would have to stay because it's just going to be too hard to go to the NFL. Another yeah. year with injuries, another year without as much tape, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I do think Jalen... It's going to be hard he's for not him gonna to be able. He's not, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be able to go to the NFL. Right. I now, think the, just the, route, leave. the route to Jalen leaving would be if he transfers. Right. Which, Which I, don't I don't think that's think the expectation. Would. But then again, if Lance, but if Lance left... Lance, yeah. But then it would be Lance Leipold leaving, right? <laughs> so I almost feel like that's the case. Like Jalen leaves if maybe Lance and Andy leave, which means you can't pick Jalen. And Andy leaves if Lance leaves, probably. You would think so. I don't think there's any scenario where Travis Goff leaves. No, I, I I think Goff would be the least likely there. He's a Kansas guy. I don't see any reason 
Honestly, right. the most likely scenario, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the most likely scenario I mean, the only is re- none. Again, the only reason Could I... Could Andy Kotelnicki get a head coaching job somewhere, though? Maybe. I don't... What do you take it, though? Yeah. It just depends on how good the job is. If it's a power yeah. five job, like, why would you not take it? Um, I don't know. So maybe well, the none job, the job is could the be most Maybe none is the most likely. I think none's probably the most likely. Yeah. Okay, who would you pick second, then, outside of none? Leipold. So you think it's it's a better chance that Lance Leipold were to leave than Andy Kotelnicki just taking a head coaching job? Somewhere. Yes. Okay. That's a very interesting... I don't know where I would, I would line up on that. I think it's pretty clear that that would be the case, right? Well, I mean, and it's, I also possible. Think it's possible that Leipold leaves and Kotelnicki is the next KU coach. Yes. That's what I would... That could happen, if, too. If, if Lance Leipold leaves after the season, that's what I would advocate for. I would say... Throw the kitchen sink at Andy Kolnicki to convince him to not follow Lance wherever he goes and say, you're the guy. And that would probably help you to keep Jalen Daniels, hypothetically, and, and some other players. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I might be with you. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm close there between Kolnicki and Leipzig. But, uh, okay. yeah, I think none is the most likely. Okay. Uh, this one from Lenny. If you could control one element of weather, what would you choose? Huh, that's interesting. All right. So, what I think elements, we're talking, like, rain... Wind, Wind uh, cloud, cloud coverage, cover, clouds, um, sunshine. Yeah, like I don't uh, think this is like you I don't can think, control like earthquakes. That's yeah, not yeah. an element. And of I kind of, I almost want to eliminate temperature as one of this because, like, obviously, if you can control the temperature, yes. you would just make it seventy yeah, degrees. Yeah, just make day. it San Diego every day. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not temperature. So it's got to be. it's got to be like snow, wind, rain, rain uh, sleet. You know, weather uh, patterns, clouds, mm-hmm. sunshine, things like that. Yeah. What other forms of weather are there? Uh, <laughs> man, one element, though. I think there's a pretty obvious answer here. Like, very obvious. Which is? Wind. Okay, why? Because then you could just make it calm whenever you want, and then, you know, if you wanted a ni- if it's a hot day, you can give yourself a nice breeze. You're watching your if team play a football outside, game, and you all of a sudden, they're about to kick a field goal to try to yep, win the game. You make exactly. it like 100 mile But think about wins. it. If, if it's a hot day, you can give yourself a nice breeze. <laughs> if it's cold, you can make it calm so you're, you know, you're not getting wind chill blasted in your face. Theoretically. I think wind is the most, like, this is a, to mm. me, this is a slam dunk for wind. Slam dunk for wind. I think it's the most obvious answer. Hmm. It's the best. You can choose exactly whatever, no matter what the weather is outside. I, I think there's some arguments the for other ones. Right? To affect positively, I mean, however, okay, the weather. Wait, is. Let me let me go through the different types of weather that the, of the, the reasoning why or like, why you wouldn't. Why would them. you want? Why, why would you want to control rain? Because there uh, a couple of reasons. One, what if you're like, you know, I mean, unless I, I was I like need a some farmer. rain for my farm, or I need some rain for my but grass. But I'm not a farmer. Or, what if, what if you're just like, you know what? It'd be nice to see some rain every once in a while. You've never had a day where you've just been like, I no, just wanted fair. to rain I mean, outside listen, and just sit around know, in Kansas, the corner in my house. Kansas under a blanket. is a state that experiences drought. Yeah. So it would be nice cool to, ex- to, control to say, that. you know, hey, it's been two weeks since we had a little rain. Right. Let me get a little rain action in there. Now, theoretically. I get it, but. The way I'm viewing this is that I don't get to control it everywhere. I just control it where I am. Correct. Yes. Because I don't want to be in charge of. No, that's Should how it I rain think it or is. not in you know somewhere across the country, and yeah. I have no idea what's going on, right? Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, it is. It's like where you're where you're at in the moment. Yeah, I agree. Which with also, not rain though could with rain that could be a, a bonus for rain. Is like if you could control it where you're at in the moment, <laughs> you go on vacation, you can make sure that it's never going to rain. That's wherever true. You, you know, the weather will never also impact. True. Your voca- you your never vacation. have to worry about it being a you know. Or it's like imagine you're. you're I, I don't know. You're you're somewhere you don't want to go. You could make it rain and be like, sorry, the event <laughs> got rained out. We can't go anymore. You know. Um, or you could like play pranks on people. You could, I don't know. You could get out of a lot of stuff. Uh, what about clouds? Because theoretically, no, I clouds, think clouds is good. I, I think that would clouds be a good could answer. be a good one. Because then, because I, you I, can't have rain without clouds. 
fair. So basically, True. if you control well, the yeah, clouds, you control, like, if you just always say no clouds, you can never have rain. But then you got to have certain days where if it's really hot outside, you can just be like, give me all the cloud coverage I need. But that doesn't, I mean, that helps a little bit, but it's still, I don't know. But like, and I'm, I'm, I like the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So if I could control clouds, I would say, give me some more sunshine and, you know. Okay. What about the, uh, what about the evil answer, which would be like lightning that I could just strike bolts of lightning at anybody I wanted or like anything I wanted. Yeah. I, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. I, I'm a little concerned that you <laughs> okay. even consider that option. Okay. No, I think wind. I think wind wins. Wind is a slam dunk. Yeah. I mean, it's the most obvious. It's the perfect answer. I think. I could run my house on wind energy because I could just always have like a just <laughs> one gust of wind always hitting the like windmill or whatever I would need. I don't know. Okay, this one from Garrett. If you could add a new item menu or menu item to the 23rd Street Brewery uh, menu named after a KU legend, who and what would it be? Okay, you know what my first thought was? What? So this Saturday, mm-hmm. KU is going to be inducting some guys in the Ring of Honor. One of them being Tony Sands. Okay. The Tony Sands Witch. What would be on the Tony Sands? I don't know. I'd have to ask him what his what so he his likes. nickname was Tuxedo Tony. Because the problem, because that's the thing, is like a lot of the menu items, it's like what people like, or like there's something. You know, yeah, it's what the the person, what the coach, what the yeah, player, yeah, you know, something they want it to be named after. Yeah. Yes. So I'd have to ask him. I'd have to ask him what he would want on the Tony Sands witch. Yeah, that could work. I'm trying to think like a Ku legend like. Hmm. I don't think Matt has anything on there for Wilt Chamberlain. Is there something we could do with Wilt? Uh, it has 20,000 calories in it. <laughs> uh, maybe there's something with him scoring 100 in a game, right? Like, Yeah, like the, like, maybe it's like, um, I don't know, like the Wilt sampler where you get like 100 wings or something, 100 <laughs> chicken things. Yeah, it's for, it's for parties. Yeah. You get 100 items. Yes. Between... Yeah, but it's like wings. wings uh, I don't know. Chicken tenders. Sure. Uh, that have to be a know, yeah. That's like a know. catering slices of quesadillas. Yeah, that's pizza. a lot. That can't just be like a normal menu item. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good though. Well, the wait. Wilt what sampler? about that? Okay, Wilt's nickname was also uh, the the uh, not the the dipper. The uh, what's the first word of this that I'm looking for? Uh, <laughs> the big dipper. Big dipper. Okay. Thank you for helping me out with the word big. Um, Dude, how, what am I supposed to do with Dipper? What am I supposed to do dipper. with that? Everybody knows the Big Dipper. Yeah, but how am I supposed to make that? Wasn't that his nickname? I don't know, man. Right? Am I am I making this up? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, you I seem don't. to have a blank face on I this. Don't have, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the Big Dipper was one of his nicknames. What about... Uh, Dude, that's perfect. He could just rename one of his, like, like his spinach he, artichoke does he have, dip. Does he have, I don't like, know if uh, it has a name to it. Does, does 23rd Street Brewery have, like, soup? Or, like... Something like that? Uh, I don't believe so. Maybe seasonally. Um, they could do Big Dipper Soup. Well, they, they have the dip- naked nachos, which that could work double ways. Wilt Chamberlain with naked people. I mean, uh, that happened all the time. <laughs> and then on top of that, you're dipping <laughs> your nachos into the naked nachos. It is the Big Dipper. But I don't know the right stuff of this. Like, Wilt Chamberlain obviously passed away. Does Matt have to get it, you know, approved by yeah. the people in Wilt Chamberlain's family? I don't know. That's, that's where I would go with Well, who are some other Dipper. people that you think deserve to have something named after them? I mean, it's got to be big legends. Like, like I, I'm thinking, like, like Roy Williams. Like Danny Manning is on there. Uh, Roy Williams, I think, is on there. He has like a, it's it's like a catfish or, or something with fish. Oh, okay, I didn't um, know he was already on there. But like, Todd Reesing. Does Todd Reesing deserve a menu? Yeah, item? you could do something with that. Like, I, I'm trying to think. His nickname. He had Sparky. I don't know what you'd do with that. Um, does, or like Texas uh, Gunslinger. You could do Gale, like a Texas. Does, does Gail Sayers have a have something on there? I don't could you do something think with a so. Kansas Comet. 
I don't know what you do with that. Yeah, there, there's got to be something there. There. Yeah. Because that's part of it. Too. Like I don't know. Yeah, you got Gail Sayers. You got uh, I don't know. Does Don Frambro deserve a name? Something. David Lawrence would say so. Okay. So there you go. Um, what about uh, John Hadle? Does he deserve something? He has something on there. Oh, he, he does. A, yeah. He. Yep. Okay. Gosh, get to know the menu, man. Dude, I'm sorry. I always just go for the Bill Self Mac. <laughs> you got to explore. Honestly, Hank Bootberger is pretty good, too. Yeah. Any turkey stack? All of exactly. Great. Oh, no, it's all, right. all great stuff. It's from uh, Derek H. Here's three questions. Number one, does number 17 ranked KU Volleyball have a chance versus Texas in Austin this weekend? They're playing them twice in Austin. What is the yeah, biggest so, key to win? Uh, I don't know if uh, the Big 12 Volleyball schedule, they're doing this weird thing where they just play twice back-to-back. Yep. Uh, which I personally hate. Mitigates travel, though. Yeah, I, I think get, the I mean, idea I get is it. with the expansion. Yeah, I mean, I get why they're doing it, but I still find it annoying. But KU's been playing great. Uh, they just swept Houston, I think. There's a top 25 team. Yeah, yeah. Now so Houston's they've been, 20th. They've been playing pretty well. Texas has been that team that has been sort of the, the measuring stick, right? Like, where do you measure it? Because Texas Well, they just been, won the national championship last year. Exactly. Time. They've been perennially a top five program. And for KU, it's always been... Yeah, you're a really solid team, but where do you match up against Texas, right? So uh, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how the, how it plays out. And I've, I've actually been trying to get out to a gay volleyball game. I've just been busy. Uh, you're gonna go down to Austin weeks. for this one? I unfortunately am not gonna go to mm. Austin. I don't have enough, I don't have enough money to, to to spend going down to Austin. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. But I mean, Texas always has really really big blockers. So I think for KU, the the key for them to to possibly win the game is they're gonna have to find a way to maneuver around the size of Texas, right? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously going to be the key to it. And there's different strategies for that. You can try softer, you know, tipping it up, trying to get it over those big players or, you know, setting up some fakes and different stuff. So that's probably the biggest key, I think, for KU is they got to find a way. And and also, in games like this, you have to have to avoid surface errors. When you're playing a, an opponent that is of similar quality or, or, you know, you're an underdog, service errors are absolute killer. Yeah, and then there's a certain line. I, I never know where the line actually is with the service errors that, like, you want to serve aggressively and you want to put the other team out of system that they're, you know, not getting great cracks at everything. But, yeah, you want to avoid making this. There is a fine line there where you find with some, but it's like if it becomes too many, it's like it's like striking out in baseball. It's like, well, if you hit a bunch of home runs and you strike out, it's okay. But then if you go on a slump and you stop hitting home runs and then it's all strikeouts, like that's a problem. So there's yeah. that line somewhere. Uh, Kansas, one of their losses uh, was to Purdue earlier this year, and that was a big athletic team. Um, and it was, it was a five-set game. It was a really close game, but that was a younger Purdue team. This Texas team is kind of similar to that in terms of Purdue and having a lot of you know, super tall, lengthy players who are super athletic and will get up there. And you'll see the difference. You know, Kansas is more of the finesse, quick-paced team yeah. from from that standpoint and who has I, a lot of skill. I do think playing a team back-to-back certainly affects strategy, mm-hmm. right? Because if you play a team twice in a season, but you play them once in, you know, September, and then you don't play them again until November, you're gonna it's going to be a lot different when you play them those two different times. When you play them back-to-back like this, that, I think, totally affects strategy as well. And we've seen a couple matches recently that they were in Lawrence where KU led two sets to none or two sets to one on Texas, and Texas ended up coming back and winning. So, yeah, yeah they absolutely can win this match. You just got to play kind of a clean game because when you are maybe— I mean, I think if you're playing— you don't have as many, like, 6'5", 6'4", girls, you just have to play a, a more mistake-free game. Yeah, I think in your, when you're playing back-to-back against Texas, going 1-1 one and one would be a huge win, I think. Yeah. Okay, uh, second one from Derek. Realistic record for KU football before senior day versus Kansas State. You left out the part. <laughs> he said eight and two, question mark. Uh, 
And this, I he think that this is an optimistic. After, he asked this yeah. uh, after the Texas loss, by the way. Yes. Uh, yeah, eight and two. I, I think mean, if you double optimistic. the record, it would get to eight and two. But yeah, I think that's very optimistic. I think realistic for Kansas is probably like six and four. Yes, because you got Oklahoma on the schedule. Let's say you go one and one between UCF and Oklahoma State, and then you know Texas Tech at home is. While Texas Tech is down, is not a gimme. I don't yeah. think. Well, I, I think that, at Iowa to your State, point, at Iowa State, Texas Tech one and one. UCF, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, UCF, one, one and one. one. Oklahoma lost two and three. That's realistic, especially if it's Jason Bean for a lot That's of That's realistic. Six I mean, I think four. they could yeah. easily be seven and three. They I think they could easily... also easily be five and five. Yes. Right? Yeah. If Jason Bean is, is in a lot of these games. So I, I think realistically, yes, six and four is the real one. Uh, seven and three, you're happy with. Eight and two, you are ecstatic. Eight and two, I'm over the moon. Eight um, and two, I'm streaking down mass. Yeah. All right, we'll hold you to that. Five and five. You're like, yeah, this kind of stinks, but we're yeah. right there. Got to get that next win to get bowl eligible for the second straight year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Five and five would be pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, three, best vacation spot in Kansas. Mm, in Kansas. Mm. Uh, Colby, the oasis of the plains. <laughs> Colby, the edge of the earth, yeah. depending on who you ask. No, I mean, honestly, uh, it probably is like Kansas I mean, City or Lawrence, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, if you're, if you're big into, Cowboys and stuff like that. Dodge City probably is maybe yes. appealing. Um, I don't know that anybody's know, ever said that before. People go to Dodge City for for vacations. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just to visit. Okay. I don't know, maybe not. I mean, maybe I mean, Wichita, Wichita. I think it's just, trying to it's become a big city. Yeah, so it's trying a lot to become to that. Like you go yeah. see a concert. Maybe Did you know the uh, geographic center of the U.S. Lower Forty Eight is in Kansas. Oh, there you go. That's a good vacation spot. <laughs> if you what want the, the exact the exact center of the Continental United States. Mm. It's in Kansas. Okay. You can visit the uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower Presidential Library in Abilene, Kansas. I've been there. That's pretty cool. Uh, Or no, not Abilene. It's in Atchison, I think. Oh, crap. It's one of the two. I don't remember which one. Atchison, Abilene. I don't know. One one of them. One of them? I don't know. Somebody somebody who is from that area is going to be like, dude, you're an idiot because you can't remember which one's which. And you know what? I apologize. Okay? But I've been there. It was cool. Mm. Uh, Let's see. There's not really anything in Southeast Kansas. Yeah, not really anything. I don't have a great West, answer for this one. Sorry, not really anything in Western Kansas except for like maybe literally Dodge City. <laughs> okay. Uh, Last one here from Yanni: Nachos or pretzel at a sporting event? I think the safe bet is nachos because you can get you can get a stale pretzel you can get or bad pretzels. Overcooked. Yeah, yeah, you you can get bad pretzels. Nachos, but it's like. You can get the bad cheese or like stale chips, but it's still it's, it's still better. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I think so. I think from a consistency standpoint, nachos, mm-hmm. but, but you can good, get some good pretzels. Uh, yeah, a good pretzel I take over good nachos, but I agree with you. The consistency wise, I'm going with nachos. Yeah, I think we're on the same. And thing. you can share them with everyone a little bit easier. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Although you can pull off the piece of yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Still, All yeah. Right. That's our KU Mailbag. You can hit us up with any questions for next week at RCST1320 or RCST1320AM at gmail.com. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. College football crackdown next. 435, this is Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to the rest of that Bill Self audio. And we also have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. Woo! Woo! So that'll be exciting. That'll be fun. That uh, be first, though, fun. We have our college. Why do you say it like that. I don't know. Fun. Having fun. Uh, Good. Our college football crackdown 
for this week where we go over some of the uh, notable things that happened in the college football landscape. Let's start here. Who for you was the best win in college football for week five? Uh, Yeah, week five. Even though it was Isn't the sixth crazy? week because of week zero? That is kind of crazy. No, 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 no. It's week five. Well, it was the sixth week of football, but it was week five. But it's week five. It is week. Yes, correct. Okay. But it yeah. was the sixth week of played football. But in the fifth week. Five. No, it was week five. five, but it was the sixth week of football. Zero, one, two, three, four, five. That's six. I don't need to tell me how to count, bro. Well, it seemed like you did. <laughs> uh, Man, I was looking at the slate and like, you know, every, every year there's a couple slates where it's just kind of bleh. And... Week, was week five that that week? Well, it's funny because week was it week three was supposed it's to be that, be, and then it was good. And then there, yeah, there ended up being a lot of good games and a lot of close games. Yeah, I don't know this this slate. When I look reflecting back on it, I was not overly impressed. Even the ranked games were kind of blowouts, except for like yeah. LSU Ole Miss. I think the best win is probably Kentucky. I mean, Florida was a team that had beat Tennessee, and Graham Mahomes looked pretty good, <laughs> and. But Kentucky undefeated. Now, I don't know if you've seen Kentucky's non-conference schedule. I mean, a team of you and I could have gone undefeated in Kentucky's non-conference schedule. Like, if you and I were on the team, they would have gone undefeated. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really bad. So, this was a game for Kentucky to showcase, really, potentially how good they are. Uh, and in, in a year where they're in the East, so that kind of screws them from trying to get to the... Or, Kentucky's in the East, right? Pretty sure they yeah, are. They're yeah, they're with they, Georgia. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, so, I don't know, man. Georgia looks beatable. They're, they're playing Georgia this week. The spread yeah. is fourteen and a half. That's not it's like been fourteen and a half against South Carolina. I don't know what it was. The same, I think, against I think Auburn. Auburn too. Yeah. And I mean, they and they, they covered. They did not cover no. either one of those games. Yeah. By the way, Georgia is zero and five against the spread this year, or, or however many games they played. Well, that's 0 because 4, the spread 5. is normally like fifty. I know, but the last two weeks you just said fourteen. So, so I'll go with Kentucky here because. This, that was a game for them to prove just exactly how good they are, and they kind of just dominated. So yeah, they really also. Did. did you know that Mark Stoops is like one of the top ten highest paid coaches in the, in the country? They're using that basketball money, man. He's paid a but lot. Now of they're money a football school for Kentucky to yeah. be like what? But no, that was that was a good, good win to them. I'll I'll get more on Kentucky uh, in one of our later little uh, superlatives here. My best win is Ole Miss. You bounced back from the Alabama game. You lose to Alabama by fourteen, dude. Lane looked so miserable. <laughs> I mean, he just looked like he did not want to be there at all. But they won. That's all that matters. And, and you know, to, to beat LSU, because in the West, the hierarchy seems to be like, okay, LSU won it last year, but Alabama's still there. And, you know, Ole Miss, Texas A&M maybe have a chance to, I don't know, sneak up on, on somebody. But after you lose to Alabama, it's like, okay, well, let's let's see how much how real you are. Because if you lose to LSU too, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, clearly you're done. Season's over. Exactly. Like now you could still win out on your SEC games, or maybe win all but one SEC West game, and hope that you know Bama loses a couple uh, SEC games. And who knows? Maybe they'll lose this week. They're only three point favorites over A and M. So uh, Ole Miss, that was a really important win. I think it was an important win to show how good they are, and it was a good stand at the end of the game. They needed the last. Uh, I guess minute touchdown or, or whatever to, yeah. to I mean, see it was, the game it, off. I mean, you could spend an hour breaking down the last yeah, five minutes crazy. of the game. And then they ended up getting the stop at the very end to, to come through with the win. Huge win for Lane Kiffin. Huge win for Ole Miss. Clearly shows that they are, to me, a top 15 team or right around there in yeah. the country. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Best win. Uh, who's your worst win? So this is this is my favorite thing. You can't really do this in the NFL because in the NFL, like every win every is a basically win. equal to yeah, a certain win, Every win's a good win. In college football, style points do matter. So who had the worst win? 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with USC. Mm. They literally stopped. First of all, Caleb Williams was bad in the second half or the fourth quarter. But listen, can you blame the guy? He hasn't had to play in the fourth quarter like the whole season because they've been up by a billion. But yeah, they 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 got up. What were they? It was forty-eight to what? Forty-eight to was it forty-eight twenty-one? They weren't up that much, were they? 48, it, was, it was 48 to a lot because it ended up a 48 to 41. 48-41 was the final score, but they were up 48 to It might have been 48-20. 24, 21. It, it was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. Uh, and they just stopped. Let off the and, gas. dude, the USC defense is terrible. I mean, those boys stink. They are so bad. Now, no disrespect to Colorado, but, I mean, the that USC defense. No, the USC defense is terrible. First of all, if you're the USC head coach, which I'm just blanking on his name. I don't know why I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, Lincoln, Riley. Lincoln Riley. Yeah. I don't know why I could. <laughs> okay, Lincoln Riley. If you're Lincoln Riley, how do you not just go and find the greatest defensive coordinator mind you could find and hire him immediately? He's you're had at USC. Alex Grinch for like six years. He just he, Alex Grinch has something on him. You're know. at USC. You can pay a bajillion dollars to anybody. Find the best defensive guy, bring him in and say, hey, fix this, okay? Because I only care about my little play toy, Caleb Williams, and how we're going to score a bunch, okay? Because clearly, nobody knows how to coach any defense at USC. I don't know what they're doing. What, I mean, what what are they practicing? What are they doing all week? Not practicing defense, it would appear. So I came away from that game thinking, man, USC, like, obviously they have maybe the best offense in the country, but, dude, they're not going to win the Pac-12, I don't think. The Pac-12 is loaded. A lot of good teams. The Pac-12 is loaded. They're going to – somebody's going to outscore them. Somebody's Washington's going to lose. going to put up like 60 Someone's on going or to beat Oregon them. or yes. somebody. Yeah. They might lose two games. I don't know. They're not going to win. They're Utah not going to seems to have their numbers, so I, I not, pencil yeah, them in. Yeah. I feel pretty confident in saying USC will not win the Pac-12. I don't okay. think. Based off of this performance that I just saw from them against Colorado. Okay. On their, based on their, on their defense. All right. I'm going to go my worst win is Georgia. Georgia, a team that we kind of talked about. Georgia uh, beat Auburn 27-20. to Kind of a lackluster game. Auburn hasn't, like, been that impressive. Like, in uh, week, I don't know, week two or week three, they played at Cal, and Auburn, like, barely won. They got, like, a, a last, you know, a touchdown in the final Cal's five minutes. Cal's sneaky decent. They're sneaky, sneaky decent, but they also lost to Washington by, like, 35 points. Like, Cal might be a six- or seven-win team. Auburn struggled with them and barely came out with a win, and Auburn almost beat Georgia. And, and the reason this is, like— if Georgia was looking like regular Georgia, and then they just had that one weird game. Remember last year, they almost lost to Missouri randomly, yeah. but outside yeah. of that, they were fun. That was funny. Yeah. But this is now stacked up for Georgia. You mentioned with South Carolina, they were down for a lot of that game, ended up winning by 10 points. They just they haven't looked the same. And also keep in mind, Auburn the week before had lost to Texas A&M 27-10. They lost to Georgia 27-20. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think you might be able to uh, punch a little holes no, in Georgia think, right now. I think Georgia's suffering from the fact that you're getting everyone's best shot every week. That's that, what I that was happening like. to them last year, too. Didn't seem to yeah, bother. Yeah, they're not as good this year, Yeah, I don't think, overall. Right, who's, your, really uh, good, but. who's your worst loss? Worst loss? I actually have two on here. Uh, this just, and I, this is, I'm just from the Kansas perspective because this is what I do. I look at things from the Kansas perspective. Mm-hmm. Illinois losing to Purdue, just getting absolutely blasted. Bad. Bad for Illinois. Bad for Kansas. Uh, but also, we I mean, obviously we talked about it with the Big 12 stuff we talked about yesterday, but I mean, the UCF loss is terrible. Mm-hmm. Really terrible. I mean, everyone's leaving the game at halftime, thinking the game's wrapped up. 
it's the classic case of like you know third. It's the third quarter. You're like, eh, let's go grab some beers at the local, you know, whatever. And you go down there, and then the bartender's like, man, did you see the UCF game? And you're like, oh, dude, yeah, it was great. They won. And the dude's like, boy, do I have some bad news for you? They blew it. And you're like, dude, what? They blew it. <laughs> so that's pretty bad. I uh, the UCF's pretty bad. The Illinois loss is bad too. Uh, they they look like they might be not very good. Uh, those are my two worst losses. I think both of those are good. Yeah, they're just getting blown out by Purdue. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. Boiler up, baby. I guess this is opposite to my best win with Ole Miss. But for LSU, you went into the season with possible college football playoff contention hopes. And then you get smacked in the second half by Florida State. But it's like, okay, well, Florida State's really good. You got a chance to bounce back. And you lose this game. Now you're sitting at 3-2 and two on the season. College football playoff would be a pipe dream at this point. I guess if you won out and you went 11-2 and two and won the SEC, you're probably still getting in because the SEC, SEC winner bias. will just always get in, yeah. right? SEC bias. But still, man, it's it's pretty clear that Brian Kelly, they've not taken that next step this year. And in fact, it seems like they're about to take a step backward. I uh, I wonder, what would Brian Kelly have to finish this year to be on the hot seat for next year? I don't think he'd get fired this year. But what do you think he would have to finish this year? Because the last year they went to the SEC title, got beaten up by Georgia. I think they finished ten and four on the season. Eight and four. So if they go eight and four this year, you think he's on the hot seat next year to where if they go, he has to perform well, okay. next year. If they go eight and five. So eight and four and lose sure. their bowl game. Then yeah. next year he would need like a ten win season. At least. Yeah. I think I think I'm in agreement. I don't know, man. It's so hard to gauge like SEC. I know hot the, the standards like, or the expectations yeah, are so like, high. Oh, you're supposed to win 11 games at Ole Miss, dude. What? <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? Expectations are ridiculous. Yeah, but LSU, they have shown that they can make the national title and win. Yeah, that thing, so. no, and they obviously have you know a national championship mm-hmm. pedigree. You know they won it before, so I get it. Who is the best loss? Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with one here that I think it's. It's a good loss, but it looks. Wor- I think it's even worse though, and that is Duke. Mm. Duke had a really good loss against Notre Dame, but I think it's actually worse though because Riley Leonard got hurt. Yeah, uh, to end the game, and I don't know what his status. Yeah, is. Yeah, the, the the game itself, the results, losing by seven in a close game where you showcased well, but losing yeah. to a good Notre Dame team. Yeah, you know, and it was like you know you lose by seven, but it, that game was really a toss up the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But then to compound on that. Riley Leonard's injury that happens at the end of the game, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, so that could be a big blow for them. But no, I mean, I was really impressed with Duke. Right on a national stage, they they showed out. They played they played pretty well. I think I think that's a similar situation with with Kansas. Right, if if Kansas had lost in similar fashion to Texas, you would have felt really really good because he showed out on a national stage. Now, obviously, the circumstances are different, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll say Duke. I'll go with Colorado. Um, there was a moment there when we talked about with USC where they were getting kind of blown out. It was 48 to 20 or or whatever the score was. And I think the conversation was quickly shifting to, okay, it's pretty clear Colorado is much better than they were last year, but they cannot even come close to hanging with the big boys. They're just going to lose by 30 points to all the good teams at the conference, which there's a lot of them in the Pac-12. The fact that they came back and made it a game and, and cut it to within you know seven and ended up losing by a touchdown, I think shows well for them that – you know, maybe they could upset one of the top Pac-12 teams if they can get them on the right day, and uh, that you know the program still is kind of headed in the right direction. Oh yeah, they're definitely going to win some games. Yeah, and honestly, that. I think that speaks very well to how competitive Colorado played for Oregon. Oregon, th- there was there was no <laughs> point saying. where that game was. That's close. why I think USC yeah. is going to not win the Pac-12. Oregon might be like top five good. I don't I don't know. 
I kind of go back and forth every week between whether I think Oregon or Washington is better. But anyway, uh, who is your Heisman of the week? Dude, give me some Brock Bowers, baby. Mm. Did you see the catches? He made multiple first, multiple. Yeah, the game-winning touchdown, too. Did you see the one where he like just w- was getting s- smashed or about to get smashed, and he just like casually one-handed and then whoop, like yep. has the catch. Like that dude is in insane. It doesn't even make any sense. Travis Kelsey replacement. Well, okay, I actually was having this debate with uh, with a friend of mine. If if by one miracle or another the Chiefs have the opportunity to get Marvin Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers, mm. but only one, which one do you want? Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, are you sure? Yes. Okay. I mean, I think I would probably agree, but I mean, dude, with Brock Bowers, you're guaranteed another. Ten years of Travis. I Kelsey. know, but also Travis Kelsey's so unique with his just feel for a defense and running different routes that like that you don't think get himself open. There? I don't know, man. That's t- I've never seen another tight end do that like ever, and there have been a lot of great tight ends. Give me Marvin Harris. But then again, right. you could make the argument that from a payment standpoint, tight ends get paid less than receivers. So if your tight end is your number one option, inherently it's going to save you money, kind of like they have with with Travis Kelsey. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree, but I think it's maybe. Okay. A little bit closer. All right. My Heisman of the week is Ray Davis. He is the running back for Kentucky. He had 26 carries for 280 yards and three touchdowns. He was the NCAA leader last week in rushing yards. Now on the season, he has 594 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on only 74 carries. So this dude's an absolute beast. Kentucky, as you mentioned earlier, had a big win. Kentucky's good. They're ranked. And, uh, I kind of think Kentucky is for sure the second best team in the East. I think it's Georgia. Then Kentucky. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, Tennessee stinks. Florida stinks. So I'm saying, uh, not gonna pick Missouri. Missouri stinks. Vanderbilt. <laughs> Vanderbilt. Who's the other team? South Carolina. You know they're, eh. they're mid. They're eh. fine. Right. Eh. All right. That's our. Uh, they did not cover my now. lock of the week. No, plus thir- plus twelve against Tennessee. I'm upset about that. All right. We're gonna take a timeout. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a neighborhood home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Matt Lives with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right, it's that time of the week. Florida Man Matt Lives, Sam Speck joins us in the studio. Uh, gentlemen, Nick, Derek, how are we doing this week? Wonderful. Feels good to be Wonderful. back. Wonderful. Fantastic. All righty, Derek with a nice significant... Unbelievable. I like it. Keep dude, going. Wait, dude, the you, source. You're trying to one up my word. Do <laughs> <laughs> relax over there. Uh, Derek coming off yeah. a, uh, another weak victory, eight and three on the year. Mm. But again, aggregate points are still fairly close mm. within a six point range as of right now. And here's how it works. So Derek Fraudson. That's a lot of weeks to be a fraud, but uh, we'll see. Here's how it works and how you can play along at home as well. We've got. You're embarrassing. 
four legit well first of all we got these two clowns that are going to be guessing hey. these headlines but yeah, we've this, got this, no this, this is a clown <laughs> we've got four legitimate headlines coming your way the first will only have one redacted word or phrase the next three will have two redacted words or phrases now the first will only have a point value worth of one obviously due to the one word or phrase that is redacted and then the next three will have a point value upwards of three points if you get the entire headline correct then we will compile all the points and see who is the winner at the end between Nick and Derek and of course, the house always loves to take some credit to uh, when I get to stump these guys as well, because we get to uh, listen to how they think that these headlines will end. And if you, again, back in the day, the elementary, middle school, Mad Lib, Ad Libs game, whatever you want to call it, um, this is kind of where it's at. But again, a redacted word or phrase, and then you get to guess on the options that I've given to you. So we encourage that you play at home. And for you gentlemen, Derek, Nick, are we ready to roll? I uh, am ecstatic. Yes. Oh, All righty then. To be clear, we only have two more weeks of this season, right? Correct. Summer season's about know. done. Summer season's about done. But this was more or less like an interim season because yeah, we sure. were kind of going in between things and, and getting into it, whatever. We're kind of floating around. 13-week season certainly is where we were planning we're for. We're flexible. Exactly. We're easy. Exactly. We're easy. But uh, here, let's get into it. So again, one redacted word or phrase that's the only thing coming at you here and it is a phrase by the way not just one word so keep that in mind a florida man arrested following an argument about blank so this is kind of Very vague yeah, yeah it's kind of vague could be no, just about like, anything about a lot of stuff sure so again it's a phrase but a florida man it's kind of in the food i guess will be my only hint for you florida man arrested following an argument about his grandmother's peach cobbler recipe about who has the better barbecue grill or about how to clean a cast iron skillet. So either cleaning a cast iron skillet, his grandma's peach cobbler, or who has the better barbecue. What is this guy getting arrested My for? My next reaction was, okay, let's say you want to buy a new grill. Go out, buy a new grill. You feel pretty good about yourself. You know, dudes buying grills. What you do? Buy a grill. It's a nice grill, right? Not over the top, but it's a nice grill. Take it out in your backyard. You go to your neighbor, you're like, dude, check it out. I got this new grill. He's like, oh, dude, that's a pretty nice grill. You know, talk about it a little bit, right? And then a couple days later, your neighbor rolls back <laughs> with an even nicer grill than you, the more expensive one. And you're like, hey, bro, what's up? What, what's going on here? It's like, oh, we got a new grill. Like, oh, I couldn't help you. You noticed you bought the one that's more expensive than what I bought. Argument leads, uh, one thing leads to another, boom, cops get called. Well, I'm, I'm going with that. You, I was going to say, you sound. Pretty indicative there with your I'm going explanation. With the, uh, with the grill. Well, and it could. I mean, that's a, a a tale as long as 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 time right there to where you know guys get competitive about their yards, about their barbecue, about their grills. Dude, I mean, would you not be. be upset if you buy a new grill and you go to the, your neighbor and talked about it, and then like I used to have a couple days later that. they buy a grill that's definitely more expensive than the one you just bought. Wouldn't that rub you the wrong way? I it guess, does. Maybe. I used I to have a friend that, that, that did that, and he's not my friend anymore. <laughs> but Derek, what are, what are you thinking here? Uh, so I was actually thinking the uh, skillet one. Skillet. My, that skillet. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if it's skillet because what happened was maybe... if you clean it wrong, you can ruin it. Right. And what if one of these guys borrowed it from the other? What if this is like a neighborhood situation? Yeah. He's like, hey, can I borrow your skillet? Borrowed it. And then he brought it back, and it was all dirty. And he got mad, and he was trying to argue, and he was like, why didn't you clean it? And the other guy was like, I tried, but it didn't come out. And he was like, well, this is how you do it. And then they got in a fight. Yeah, no, I could I could see that one too because you're right. If you clean it wrong, you know it's not good. You know? And, so, and again, it. for those at home, it's either how to clean a cast iron skillet, uh, grandma's peach cobbler recipe. Maybe somebody messed up the peach cobbler, or who has the better barbecue grill. So here it is. Both you guys locked in. We ready yes. to roll? Okay. Yeah. Florida man arrested 
following an argument about how to clean a cast iron skillet. And I won't go into much more detail about this because he did, unfortunately, use the skillet. But oh. uh, that is where we'll have to in then the finish the story. Yeah, we'll just have to finish the story right there. Oh, exactly. No. So, but this is what the headline was. Everybody's fine. Okay. Um, everybody is I mean, fine. Cast iron skillet is yeah. a pretty heavy item. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, yes, that's where we will stop the headline. But Derek coming away with one point as we head into these next three. Again, a quick reminder. There is a potential for three points that you can come away with. But that's because we have two redacted words or phrases and we will get to the second in just a moment. This is just, this is the one I was worried that you guys might have, but I love this one. A New Jersey man crashes into blank while blank. So is this one that you guys saw? Please tell me. No, I don't think so. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, thank goodness, because this is wonderful. No, no, no. I don't think I saw this one. <laughs> okay. So a New Jersey man crashes into his neighbor's funeral, a police Ooh. station, or a city statue while blank. I don't think it's the city statue because the way the way that Sam reacted makes it sound like it is pretty crazy, right? It could be. I mean, it depends on what he was doing. He could have been doing something very crazy. I guess he could have. What if he crashed into a city statue like right before it was going to get unveiled or something? Yeah, who knows? Well, right, we don't think the statue was either. about like yeah, who knows? Not crashing and then he crashed. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I don't think it's that statue. one though. I don't think it's that one. So that leaves with neighbor's man. funeral or police station. Yeah, and the neighbor's funeral. The police station obviously opens up a wide rough. range of possibilities. So, I mean, the na- I'm neighbor's, go neighbor's funeral is pretty funeral. bad. I'm going neighbor's funeral. All right, Derek's going to go. <laughs> that's, that's, dude, that's pretty dark. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go police station just because I think that still leaves me open on the second answer here to go a lot of different ways. Yeah, because we still so have to me, figure out what he was doing. Yeah, I'm going to take police station. Here. Okay, so Nick's going to go with the police station. Derek is his neighbor's funeral. And for you at home, lock your first answers in. New Jersey man crashes into either, again, a city statue, his neighbor's funeral, or a police station while wearing a banana costume, mm. blasting Welcome to the Jungle, or smoking hookah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, while he was, again, either blasting what? Welcome to the Jungle, wearing a banana costume, or smoking a hookah. So, <laughs> this guy obviously was doing something that distracted him behind the wheel, or just... I don't know. Welcome a, to the Jungle gives me a bit of energy, too, does right? Does a banana I mean, costume distract you? I guess it uh, maybe got his eyes. Great. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, banana costumes are large. They maybe are, that no. affected him. Uh, Peanut butter jelly his, time. Affected his vision, maybe. I'm uh, going to go with blaring welcome to the... Well, I'm gonna, I think I have to go with smoking hookah. That's what I'm going to go with. No, I'm not going to do blaring. So, Nick, what are, what are your thoughts on the hookah? Why do you think you have to go... Because it, it's 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 the classic comedy of doing something like that, and then you crash into the police station. Yeah, maybe you didn't think like he was, you know, driving or whatever. But you picked neighbor, or yeah, you did pick police station. Yeah, police so, station. Um, so maybe, maybe police he wasn't aware. Maybe he was the police aware. station and he left it in drive. Yeah, exactly. Did something like that, Derek? What do you what do you think? I I actually I, I was thinking the music one at first, but then I was like, I don't know that that would be in the headline. Like, I don't know if that's something that would get reported out. That like, because I think the people. Whoever they were affected you think they would by just say would have music. just said, yeah, either that or they would have just been like, he ran into us, he ran into a funeral or whatever. Like, I don't think they would add the descriptor of the cop. Like, it depends on how loud he was blasting. I'm gonna go. I mean, what if he was really? I mean, dude, if that music was really blasting, banana costume. Okay, so Derek and Nick, here it is, locked in for the two of you. A New Jersey man crashes into a police station. There you go, Nick. While blasting Welcome to the Jungle. Wow. And by the way, this was not the <laughs> okay. first building he hit in the day. This oh. was the second one that he hit in oh. the day. 
I'm not wow. even joking. You can look it up, find the full context That's of this crazy. one. It is hilarious. So but, why? Uh, what? I mean, why was he blasting? Welcome. I think he just survive? gave up because what I'm taking away is he had the first charge earlier in the day, and he knew that he was in a lot of so trouble he because he escaped. He to go out with a bang. Well, he decided I'm going to turn myself in with one heck of a bang. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I drove through the front okay. end of this That's building while fine, playing my favorite Guns N' Roses song. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> Nick and Derek tied up after two rounds. Let's get into the third one here. Again, two redacted words or phrase coming at you. This one's ridiculous. A uh, lot of anger inside drive throughs as well, but a Florida man is facing a felony after allegedly blank on McDonald's employee Ooh. for blank. <laughs> so these poor drive through employees, I'll tell you what, they have to deal with some, yeah. some characters. But yeah. a Florida man is facing a felony after allegedly squirting ketchup, spitting, or splashing hot coffee on a McDonald's employee for blank. And we'll get to the second one in just a moment. So, do you remember there was a lawsuit at one point with the lady who had hot coffee spilled on her? I think there's another recent one that just happened, yeah. actually. Too. Yeah, so and maybe, they, the, maybe the guy got his coffee and he was like, wait a second, this is not secure. And he was like, here! And that's his response. <laughs> Splash! How do you like hot coffee? That's a possibility. <laughs> it and then, is. Uh, okay. So ketchup. ketchup you just got to ketchup packet. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing the ketchup one. Spitting is definitely a good option. Maybe the best option. Yeah, it's super insulting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with hot coffee. All right, so know. next, I feel like it kind of pigeonholes me though, but I'll go with it. I, I don't, I okay, I don't think it's ketchup. I want to eliminate ketchup, ketchup because that would mean that yeah. they have to give them the ketchup packets, and that's a lot of work to open the ketchup no, you packets. Just, you just squeeze it and it explodes. I guess. that I don't know. There's a lot of work. I'm not taking the ketchup. Uh, what was the other one besides coffee? Spitting. Spitting. I'm going to go spitting. Just Classic spitting through the spitting window. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I think it might be the right answer. I'm going to stick with mine, though. But. Okay, so Nick's going to stick with splashing the coffee. Derek's going to go with spitting. Florida man facing a felony after allegedly either spitting, squirting ketchup, or splashing a hot coffee on McDonald's employee for not saying God bless you, a one cent overcharge, or taking too long. So, a he either didn't get a bless you after a sneeze, or a one cent overcharge, or he just took too long. One of the two. One of the three. I think it's the sneezing one. Because, okay, he sneezed. Now he has all these, like, fluids and mucus and stuff already ready, and he hocked a loogie on it. Oh, gosh. he was like, you didn't say it. I can see that. Because, I mean, you that just sneezed. sense. Why? I don't he, think any he, of these make sense. He's got to sneeze. He didn't sneeze on himself. What? You're well, saying, no, no, no. What he's saying is post. Then, he's saying post sneeze, like yeah. after you're done sneezing, you have all the mucus in your head and stuff. And then he didn't get a bless you, so he hawked so a loogie out the window. So instead of blowing his nose, yeah, he, he, yeah. he just blew okay. it out the window. Yeah, so I, that's I understand that. that's where his logic is. I understand. I, I actually don't think that's a bad thought there. Uh, so what, are, is that where you're going? Yeah, that's what I'm going. With. Okay, so Derek's gonna go with not saying bless you. I'm gonna say, dude, the one cent overcharge is so ridiculous <laughs> that I'm taking it. Okay. He's like, he's like, here's your coffee. That'll be, you know, 402. He said, wait a second. It should be 401. And then, and then one of those people that does the math before they even get to the window or something like that. Yeah. Whoever, so give whoever me, knows. Give me the one cent overcharge. All right. Everybody's locked in and locked in at home as well. I hope you are. A Florida man facing a felony after allegedly splashing a hot coffee on McDonald's employee for a one cent overcharge. Let's go. Oh, With a big three. <laughs> yes, indeed. Woo!
Up four to one now as we head into this last one. Uh, eight to three. <laughs> eight, eight and three. Hey, regular scoreboard, season. <laughs> buddy. Four to one. I, I put my backups in this game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's we got second game. strings out there. Okay, so this one is just... I, I, I had a tough time coming up with the secondary options on this one, but it's funny once you actually hear the full one. And we're going to get the ladies involved. So a Florida woman driving blank blames blank for getting in her way. Okay. All right, so let's start with the first one. So the Florida woman was driving either into wet cement, a stolen excavator, or in the opposite lane. Blames blank for getting in her way. So again, either she's driving in the opposite lane in a stolen excavator or into wet cement. And then blames, and we'll get to the who she's blaming for getting in her way in a moment. So the first options were excavator, wet cement, or what was the other option? Uh, into the opposite lane. Oh, right, right, right. Like of traffic, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> this one's, yeah, I, mean, I had a tough time. Excavator is interesting, to say the least. I think it's probably the most flashy answer. Right. I don't really feel like wet cement. I'm kind of ruling that one out. I would kind of. I mean, that I'm would gonna suck, go though. with. Uh, I'm gonna go with driving in the opposite lane. Okay, so Nick likes the I'm idea. Go with driving in the opposite lane. So she's driving in the opposite lane, and she'll blame whomever in just a minute. But Derek, what are your thoughts on this? Again, it's kind of random, and they're all over the place. I had a hard yeah, time. Yeah, random all over the place. I'm down three. I have to choose different than him. I'm just gonna go wet cement. Okay, so she okay. destroyed a you construction know, you know site. You don't want to go with the excavator? Nah. So she destroyed a construction site is what Derek is thinking somehow and blaming. So a Florida woman driving either in the opposite lane into wet cement or driving a stolen excavator blames street signs, the oncoming drivers, or a ghost for getting in her way. Oh, I definitely want ghost. ghost. I want ghost. But the funny thing about ghost is it's a ghost. You can drive through it. <laughs> maybe she <laughs> to get in your way. She didn't think so. Through it. I mean, let's be honest here. If you see a ghost, it's not physical. You can just drive through it. I don't care. I'm taking ghost. All right, Derek's going ghost. Uh, Nick, what are you <laughs> thinking here? Okay. Well, I have two pretty good options if I don't take ghost. I mean, uh, street signs makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you know, you're somewhere and the street signs are a bit confusing. Maybe it's a one-way street, but you're not sure because of street signs. Could be an honest mistake. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, but I think for this to be a funny headline, I think I have to go with the other option, which is blaming other drivers. And it makes a ton of sense. You think you're in the right lane, and you know, you're know you like, well, these guys, they're in the wrong lane, not me. So give me other drivers. <laughs> blaming other drivers. And here it is for you. Last one in hot. Dang, Nick. Florida woman driving in the opposite lane blames the oncoming drivers Dude. for getting in her way. I mean, Dude. how could you? <laughs> I heard a funny story real quick. My, I think it was my great-grandpa. Or my great-grandma. My, mom, my dad told me this. My great-grandma used to say about driving, she would say, I pay taxes for both sides of the road. Oh, gosh. And that would scare me because it's like you're yeah, saying you I can drive anywhere you want. Was her. this your grandma? My great-grandmother, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, so uh, pay taxes for both sides of the road. I right, would not be I getting in there. But hey, I'm going to have 7-1 for Nick, but do we got one yeah. for the house? What do we got? Uh, Florida man whose blank was chomped by gator was peeing oh. in pond because blank. Oh, gosh. Okay. So something chomped. Okay, let's Florida get... man whose blank was chomped by gator was peeing in pond because blank. Your options for first blank, arm, foot, or uh, peen, short for. There you go. Jeez. All right, well... 
I mean, I'm honestly, gonna go, I'm gonna go arm because I think that would mean that he would be unable to control mm-hmm. what's going on, and so he just stood at the bank and was like, "Now I can't miss." Well, I think us guys Let's can realize the position that he was probably in, right? And then he sees an alligator. I, I should clarify the alligator chopping off this chopped off this part of the body part because he was peeing in the pond. Oh, because oh, he was oh, so peeing. He, oh, okay, okay, okay. That, that's not what I thought. So, okay, I so thought you were saying this, the, separate, he got a body no, part chopped together, off. Yes. And then went to pee in the pond. No, I can imagine. Like, again, within the act, I okay, can imagine that he was that he peeing sees in the it. pond. Yes. And then. The alligator, okay. yes. Okay. Well, now. The, I'm going foot here because the initial reaction for yeah. me is like, you can't really not see an alligator. So he probably reacted. Then the leg became exposed and okay. he probably gonna, got wiped up. I'm just going to stick with arm. I don't okay. Because right, uh, you'd Chuck, protect the goods, right? Wouldn't well, you? By gator <laughs> peeing in pond because A, his toilet was clogged. B, he always wanted to urinate on one. Or C, the bar line was too long. Holy cow. Ah, okay. He always wanted to urinate on an alligator. That's what I'm going with. Give me that. I mean, you can still pee down your bathroom drain. I know that's disgusting, but come on now. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say I'm going to go just for, in, for impartial to be different. I'm going to go because uh, what was the third option? It was uh, bar line was too long. Yeah, let's do that. That, that's, right. uh, that makes sense. He's hammered. He didn't want to pee yeah. anywhere, so he finds a place to go. Yeah. Correct answer. Florida man whose arm was chopped by gator was peeing in pond because bar line was too long. <laughs> ah, one. All right. He's got one. He's got oh one. Oh my gosh. All right. Dude, that's classic. Flo- I mean, that's classic Florida to have a, a pond next to a bar. <laughs> no, like, what? Can't like, find what? the bathroom. Just head out yeah. back, buddy. All yeah, right. What in the world? Nick with a big week big nine, week 10. Let's go. Seven one, but again, still down in the overall standings. But thank you for including me in fun, whether it's Wednesday or Friday of next week. Florida Man Mad Libs, we out, but we'll be back. If you All see right. me at the pond down by the bar <laughs> one night. Alligators because, look out. It's because I'm celebrating this big win. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.